Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Lisa Hancock, Director of Worship Arts. During this time of transition from virtual to online and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we are becoming. Today, we are going to have a conversation with Reverend Katie Newsom. Katie is the executive director and lead pastor of Union Coffee, a missional congregation, nonprofit, and business all wrapped up into one generous coffee shop in Dallas, Texas. She is a Georgia native and came to Texas by way of Southern Methodist University, where she studied psychology and religious studies. Katie went to seminary at Perkins School of Theology at SMU and graduated with a Master of Divinity. She is an ordained elder with six years of professional experience in the North Texas Conference of the United Methodist Church. Katie is a warm and friendly person who loves new ideas, possibilities, and collaboration, and she is committed to the church being a place in which everyone belongs fully as their authentic self. Katie genuinely believes that the divine spark is present in all things, And the work that we do finding and cultivating that can absolutely change the world. Katie, it is such a delight to have you with us today. I'm so excited about this because I know Katie in real life. And it is just such a joy to get to talk with you about your experiences. But one of the first things that we always like to ask, especially in this time, is how are you? Tell us how you're doing and what you're up to right now. Yes. Thank you, Lisa. It is good to be with you today, too. Yes, we are in a busy season. We've just kind of come out of some big fundraising season here in North Texas. We celebrate North Texas Giving Day, which is a great time to celebrate and support local nonprofits in the area. So we've had a big season doing that. And funny enough, in that process, we actually won our own podcast. So we're going to be learning how to do this in depth really soon, too. That's fantastic. So, Katie, I just want to jump right in on your experiences with Union and what it has looked like to be part of the a worshiping community and now be a leader in a worshiping community. So, if I have this correct, you have been the executive director and lead pastor at Union for just over a year now. But you were part of Union almost from its very beginning. And so I wonder if you could tell us the story a little bit about how Union's worshiping community began. How did the context of Union influence that? How has it developed over the last 10 years? And, And kind of what your experience of living that story was like. Yeah, absolutely. So Union got its start in 2012. And during that time, I was a seminary student at Perkins School of Theology. That year, I was doing an internship at another ministry. And I'll say that my experience uh, doing that internship in another ministry was really difficult for me. 
it, it was not a super great experience. And it really caused me to ask some questions about, do I, do I really want to follow this, this path and be yes. in a career in ministry? And, but I had great scholarship to Perkins. And so I figured I'll just stick around and we'll see what happens. <laughs> but in 2013 is when I found Union. And I found Union really as this jaded seminary student. And it ended up being a great space for me and, and really a healing space for me, continuing to develop my own faith, my calling, as well as kind of restoring the hope in the church for me. Mm-hmm. And so Union's worshiping community got started, I believe, in July of 2013. So I found it in September of 2013, not too far after, but the shop opened in November of 2012. So actually this, this November, we're celebrating our, our 10th anniversary, which is wild to think about and very exciting. But the shop wanted to take some time to become a shop before trying to develop a worship community. Right. And take some time to just get our footing there because... I don't know that we knew too well entirely what we were doing, uh, running a coffee shop. Uh, we've <laughs> since learned quite a lot. And it takes a couple of years normally for coffee shops to become profitable. And just learning all the ins and outs of that is, it takes some time. Right. So as the worshiping community, the first worshiping community got started at Union, it was called Caneo and is still called Caneo. <laughs> And really, Mike Bachman, our founding pastor, gathered together different folks that he had connected with, from some from different churches like Highland Park, some from just connections he had with other folks. And, and they were all primarily young adults in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And he sent them out to go visit other worshiping communities, see what that's like. Let's talk about it, bring it back. And... Through that process, they created a worship planning team, and really they designed what was Caneo. So Caneo launched in July 2013, and Caneo is really a non-traditional expression of worship. Caneo comes from the Greek word proskaneo, which means to worship, but it also means to kiss. And so at Caneo, we talk a lot that Worship is like a kiss. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's awkward at first and you don't know what to do with your hands, but hopefully (laughs) it is meaningful and, and, and hopeful in the end. So we also live in this theological assumption at Union. It's a kind of our founding theological assumption that God is present in all things. Mm -hmm. And for us that, that it's a, deep cut from one of John Wesley's sermons on the omnipresence of God. Mm -hmm. He spends a lot of time talking about how God is present in all things. And then he gets to this point in this sermon where he asks the question, what should we make of this awful consideration that God is present in all things? (laughs) And then answers the question, should we not labor continuously to acknowledge his presence? Mm -hmm. And so for us, We believe God is present in all things. The divine spark is present in all things. And our job is not to bring God to a neighborhood or God to a group of people, but really to discover what God is already up to and be cultivators of that work and partners in that work. And so since that's the case, 
at our weekly worship gathering, the radio is our hymnal. Mm. We feature hymns from Coldplay and Katy Perry and Bastille, Imagine Dragons, all sorts of folks. Because if God is present in all things, that includes that music too. Right. And we meet on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m., which seems to be a great time for young adults. And when we have our sermon time, it's maybe less of a traditional sermon and more of a conversation piece. Anyone is invited to speak up at any time. Anyone is invited to call someone out and say, hey, you know, I don't know that I think that's right. (laughs) And believe me, they do. (laughs) And it's really a an incredible thing to create the sermon together as a community. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've had this experience before in, in any other church that I've been a part of. And it's, it's, it's truly a gift. So we have communion every week as well. And then at the end of our service, we always sing a traditional hymn because we know that that's important too, that part of our, our heritage that has informed the church for years and years can still be informative to us today. So that's kind of how we got started. And in a lot of ways, we still, we still look a lot like that. We've, we've shifted some pieces of worship over time. We used to do a prayer of confession every week at one point in time. Now we do a breath moment every week. Mm. So we've seen things like that happen. And then of course, you know, union is really, we mostly serve young adults. And so in a lot of ways, our, our population is very transient. Young adults are growing and changing and getting new jobs and moving to new places. And so even, you know, union today looks pretty different than union two years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's always fun to kind of rediscover this with, with new folks as well. This is such a seedbed of things that you have shared with us. So um, we're going to kind of pick and choose and find our way through it. But one of the things that I heard in what you were saying about kind of both how it started and the ways that kind of your gathering is put together is it does sound like Cuneo. If I were to come into Cuneo, I would experience a certain kind of structure from week to week, even if it shifts a little bit. And what's really intriguing to me about that is we get questions from time to time, like, what is the pattern for worship? How strict do I have to be with that pattern? What can I change up about it? And I always am finding myself coming back to, there's something about our fourfold pattern of worship, right? The gathering, proclamation, response, and sending out that that gives us a rhythm, but you can play so much within that fourfold pattern. So I guess my first question is, do you imagine that kind of pattern or a different pattern structuring the worshiping life of Cuneo? And whatever that structure is, how do you find yourself playing in it from week to week? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think I can see even that fourfold pattern at work in our structure. And, you know, I, I wasn't a part of the planning team necessarily when it got started. So I'm not sure if that's a conversation they had specifically, (laughs) but I do know that they were looking at other worshiping communities and other Methodist worshiping communities 
that likely had that pattern. Mm -hmm. But absolutely, we play with that. And, And even though we're doing that similar type of thing, it ends up probably feeling lived very differently in Kaneo than maybe in other, other worshiping communities. We do have a gathering. We tell people, you know, here's what we're doing. We're called Kaneo. This is why we're called Kaneo. <laughs> here's what you can expect. We invite people to tweet any announcements they have or thoughts and they get read at the end of our service. Mm-hmm. We kind of proclaim together a, a word and a sermon that we explore And we have a moment for response, too, that's in a reflection time, that's in a in time for communion Mm -hmm. to think further about how how does this give lived out as a service of word and table uh, for our our United Methodist buzzwords here. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we do we go forth and we we have a benediction. We call it the Benny at (laughs) Union. And. Uh, we are invited to uh, respond with our lives to to what we've experienced together. So definitely that that's at play. And I hope that it's encouraging for folks to think that, you know, this can get lived out just so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You talked about how the community that makes up Cuneo because they're young adults and because young adults just aren't staying in the same place as, as long as they maybe did a few decades ago. There's jobs, there's education, there's family, all sorts of things mean that working primarily with a young adult community means that there's turnover and there's transience. I wonder how much, does that factor into the worship planning process and your preaching, like your preparation for preaching, when you think through finding a balance between the new and the repetitious? Or how do I keep saying and presenting the good news and the the comfort and the love and finding the divine spark, as, as Union says so well? How do I keep presenting that in new ways that are informative and helpful, but also like how much repetition do you find is actually necessary and important to also incorporate into kind of long term worship planning? Yeah, that is a great question. And at Union, we have a worship planning team. So this is made up of of young adults involved in Kaneo. And we meet once every two weeks to do mm-hmm. worship planning. And and really, it is that, that body that decides what we're going to talk about. So really, you know, young adults in our community have very real power to determine really all that we're up to, and that includes worship. What we have found is that over the years of just being and existing at Kaneo, we've developed some things that we've realized are really critical to who we are and are worth repeating. Mm. And we talk about that. In fact, just this, this past Sunday, we had our worship planning team we were talking about the series that we're going to do in November. We're calling it Uncomfortable Holiday Conversations. <laughs> and we've done this type of thing in the past because we realize, you know, this 
holidays can be a really difficult time for young adults for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. I think we did it four years ago or three years ago, and we called it How to Ruin Thanksgiving. <laughs> so how do we have these hard conversations with our family, our our parents? How do we set up boundaries? How do we, you know, all, all sorts of those mm-hmm. kind of conversations in the context of worship. And, but we had that conversation as a planning team, like, has it, I think it's time for us to do this again. And recognizing that we've, we've, we've seen our community turn over mm-hmm. and saying, you know, I think a lot of people in our community haven't had this conversation with us before, and maybe it would be good to have that again. So we have a couple of different things similar to that, that we, we know we want to repeat series wise uh, and it might not look exactly alike, like it, as it did a couple years ago, because the world has changed and times have changed and we grow. But then additionally too, you know, we're also always doing new things as well. That's not necessarily, you know, we all, we all just went through, are still going through a global pandemic. So right. we've, we've learned how to talk about that. You know, we're also paying attention to what's, what's happening in our world and responding to that as well. Mm-hmm. I wonder, obviously, this is a different context than some of our listeners may be used to, but the fact that you've got this worship planning committee, I wonder if you could say a little bit about what it means to have that body in place to help and to really direct the process of worship planning and what the experiences of kind of stepping back from the ways that a lead pastor would usually order worship to actually collaborate on the planning of worship with a group of laity. Because I think in a lot of different contexts, a worship planning committee may be needed or may be helpful, and people are exploring what that means, but they're trying to figure out how to move into collaboration. So maybe that's really what's at the core of my question is, what does it mean to you as the lead pastor who has certain responsibilities in this community to be kind of a lead collaborator with this worship planning committee? Yes, I will say having a worship planning team is a real gift. It is a real gift. And of course it can come with its own struggles, but you know, prior to being in this role at Union, I was working in a suburban church and I was leading a contemporary worship service. Mm-hmm. And primarily I was planning a lot of that alone. I did make some attempts to invite my (laughs) congregation into that, but I think that they felt a little nervous, felt like, Oh, I'm, I'm not the pastor. I, I don't know if I can do that. And so a lot of that looked like me kind of planning alone. But what I know is true for me is that when I collaborate with other people, there are things that we end up discovering that maybe neither of us would have discovered on our own that we are able to discover together. And so for us at Union, having a worship planning team really also invites, you know, our congregation into being able to say, this is what I want to talk about in worship. These are the things I have questions about. These are the things I'm really interested in hearing more about. Mm -hmm. And there are times that really 
we, we sometimes we come up with ideas you, you know we never use and other times we we really stumble upon some things that just feel really holy spirit led at the end of the day that it's that it's come out of that collaboration and and i feel like i have less it feels a little less like work to me and a mm. lot more like fun mm-hmm. and you know i our worship planning team will come up together with an idea at the end of the day, you know, I'm kind of the one that's executing on it, but they're also, they're also people in the room. They are people who know we're about to have this conversation. They're there. They're ready to talk about it. And so it's just a real gift. It is a real gift. And I I think we've come up with some creative things together that I just feel (laughs) surprised and inspired by. Yeah. Can you give us an example? Like what is one of the favorite things that y'all have come up with recently that you're like, ah, I am so energized to do this. Yeah. So we have recently entered spooky season (laughs) and as such, it brought up a lot of questions for our planning team, questions around heaven, hell, angels, demons, uh, all the spooky things of our faith tradition. And so the planning team was like, we really want to talk about it. We want to be able to talk about that and ask questions about that. And so we came up with a series that we've called Hellfire Club, Ghost Hunting, Exorcisms, and Other Nightmares from Revelation. And we are just going through all these things that feel maybe kind of unspoken sometimes mm-hmm. in, in church and, and getting to ask real questions about that and figure out, you know, where, where does that live in the context of our faith? That's great. So are y'all using the book of Revelation to guide that conversation mostly? It's, it's a big part of it. Yes. Okay. But, you know, we've talked about some other things too here and there, which of indoor, <laughs> you know, yes. different places where you see angels, demons and scripture. So I, I think about that and I'm like, that is such a great way. If you're not using the lectionary, it's such a great way to get some kind of exposure and literacy in a book of the Bible that you might not typically just turn to and read through. But really kind of what I'm hearing is that you use a topic to help connect to scripture, but also the lives of the people with you. And I mean, I I don't know what your experience in union has been, but I know kind of, I've heard from various people across the country, like biblical literacy is a thing. Like we can't assume that people have experienced the Bible, that they automatically know what we're talking about when we get up and preach from the gospels. Or, you know, if I say I'm going to preach from the gospel of Mark, they may not know what a gospel is and why we call it a gospel, but certainly people aren't necessarily going to know this is what revelation is and this is what it means. And it maybe isn't the left behind books or, you know, there's kind of all of this, all of this work that we sometimes have to do in worship that's joyful work, but it is the work of connecting kind of knowledge of what's in the Bible to how that informs our faith and lives it out. So I love hearing like, I'm using this topic people are really interested in to actually get us into a book of the Bible that they may not fully have some exposure and understanding of. Right. And in our community as well, a lot of folks that come to Caneo have felt really wounded by the church. Mm-hmm. Are people who are maybe not sure kind of what state their faith is in, if they want to be a part of church anymore. 
And so even this topic, you know, as it relates to that, it is kind of a, a big step in saying, you know, and when it comes to Revelation specifically, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is a book that's meant to be really hopeful and not scary and right. <laughs> apocalyptic that's so far beyond us. And so it's really trying to be mindful of the people who are in our midst, right? What is their mm-hmm. biblical literacy? How do they feel when it comes to church? We know they feel wounded and, and harmed. And, and so how can we create space that, that honors where they are in their journey and, and also still speaks and says, there is a place in the church for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And it sounds like, too, kind of going back to something you said earlier, that one of the ways that y'all do that is, I love this phrase, using the radio as your hymnal. Um, so I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about what it looks like to actually, I mean, think of the radio as the hymnal, but also then how how do you make Imagine Dragons work within a worshiping community for people who are like, that's really interesting, but I don't know how to start. What does it look like to kind of start thinking that way and then figuring out how it could, you could use a song that's, that's playing all the other six days of the week, but then on Tuesday night, it's also being played in a sacred space and it takes on some sacred meaning in that space. Yeah, that's a great question. And and funny enough, it's almost really where I got my start in, in Union and Caneo. Caneo has a house band called the Misfit Whatevers. And I was a Misfit Whatever for about <laughs> six years and moved out of that to step into this role. But really, the Misfit Whatevers, we tell them, hey, this is what we're talking about. You choose the music. <laughs> and it's, it's really big freedom power. Our, our planning team will often come up with some song suggestions we think might Mm -hmm. be connected. Um, But ultimately, they have that power and decision making over that. And, and really, the Misfit Whatevers have introduced us to to music we probably wouldn't have otherwise connected to. Mm -hmm. But being a part of the Misfit Whatevers, I can name that in some ways, it felt really challenging at first to start thinking about what's considered, you know, quote, secular music in a faith space. Because I just don't think we do that typically mm-hmm. and, and really inviting us to think through, okay, well, what are the themes that we see present in a song? So home is a song we play every week at, at Caneo. We open the service with home by Philip Phillips. Okay. And, you know, when thinking about that song, it, it is talking about themes of home what is it like to feel like you belong and you're at a place that you want to call home? And I think probably a trick to helping us figure out does this song work or does it not is thinking about thematically what, what's represented in the song. Are we talking about fear? Are we talking about hope? Are we talking about things unknown? And just inviting us to really consider, could that be a part of our worship? Mm-hmm. And I'll say, too, you know, when I worked at my previous church that was in the suburbs, probably inspired by my time at Union, we we ended up incorporating that. We would do one song that was something you might hear off the radio as a part of worship. And it would be normally like a reflection song and inviting us to think, OK, how do we 
take what we've talked about and reflect on that and then carry forth this word together. So I think thinking about things thematically can be a good start into trying to incorporate that. And then I think just not being afraid, just not being afraid to try it. It's not going to be, it's not going to be bad. It'll be okay. (laughs) And sometimes I know that that can feel a little uncomfortable, probably for congregations who aren't used to doing that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, theologize it. Talk about why, why are we doing this? Because it talks about fear of the unknown or home or whatever it is that you've been talking about that day, that God is present in these things too. And we're, we're here to cultivate that. And I love that too, because as, as a musician, as somebody who has, who has led congregational song in a variety of ways, it's amazing how often we get up and do a thing, but don't talk about why we've done it and help people connect with what that song is. Because I know that in some of the experiences I've had going to Cuneo in the past, it's not just hearing the 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 contemporary, the radio hymnal, but it's also hearing the hymns that I grew up with that were played on an organ that I sang with hundreds of people being sung in a really intimate space with a different instrumentation. And it changes the meaning and the experience of that hymn, even though it's been around maybe longer than than the song that, you know, just came out yesterday that you're you're trying to incorporate in a couple of weeks, right? So I think there's an interplay there that can be really powerful and meaningful to kind of I love I love the combination of the old and the new, but also then hearing you talk about like actually incorporating the radio and what you hear on the radio, it sounds like can really help you extend, almost extend worship into a space outside of that particular gathering, because it's a remembering that can happen every time that you hear that song. Right, absolutely. It invites us to really be on the lookout for God present in all things, whether Mm -hmm. that's, you know, us in our our pickup lane for carpool or... (laughs) you know, wherever we might be. Right, right. As we as we kind of come towards the end of our time, I want to ask a question that I think we all fear this question just a little bit. And yet, as we've been talking, I'm like, I really want to hear Katie talk about this because I think that this is really important. You are working in an experimental space. Even though Cuneo has been around quite a long time, Union has been a functioning coffee shop for almost 10 years, which is incredible. But it's still an experimental space. And it takes a lot of courage to be experimental, and it also takes a lot of courage to know when it's time to end an experiment or when it's time to assess that thing, that worship series, that prayer, that sermon that did not work. And we, we, you know, so I wondered if you could share, it can be big, it can be small, but if you could share one thing that maybe didn't work out. And that's okay because failure doesn't mean that you've done something bad. It means that you've learned something from it. So I wonder if you could kind of, I mean, the scary question is, can you talk about a failure, but actually 
Help us understand what it means to be okay with an experiment not lasting a long time, but it also is still valuable that the experiment happened. Yes, absolutely. And absolutely, like we are very much an experimental (laughs) space. And we see ourselves as a laboratory for the church. Mm -hmm. All the work that we do is for the church. and, And nearly everything we have done we have written up something like a formal document where we have talked about what went well, what didn't, what did we learn? (laughs) There was a point in our history, we bought a food truck and, you know, we probably never should have bought a food truck. Uh, We didn't know what we were doing with the food truck, but we had reasons to think it might succeed. And, and, you know, it didn't do great. Uh, At the same time, we met a lot of people with that. We learned a lot about it. Mm-hmm. And as it comes to worship, we have had some other worshiping communities at Union at different times in our history. So our, our second worshiping community we created was called Studio. And they met on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. It was really designed for the theater community, the mm-hmm. creative community. The The format was a bit different, but it looked somewhat the same, you know, instead of a house band, they would have performances by different folks. Sermon would look a little more like a traditional sermon for like 10 minutes. And then they divide the groups up into small groups to talk about some questions on the screen, come back together as a big group and talk. But it was less for people that were maybe in crisis of faith or in this kind of raw moment of their faith Mm -hmm. and more for people who maybe were a little bit more secure in that and also we're creative types. Well, studio started in 2015 and we ended up sunsetting studio in December of 2021. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, we just really kind of declined in attendance pretty significantly. And we discovered that what was happening in studio and Caneo almost was almost discernibly not different. Mm. And we pitched the question to the planning team what are you thinking? You know, is it time for us to try something new? Is it time for us to try and revamp what we already have? What are you thinking? And, and really they kind of came back and said, I think it's time for us to try something new. Mm. And for us, it isn't failure, right? Yeah. Right. Studio was never a failure. Studio Mm -hmm. was everything but a failure. It was so life-giving to so many for an incredible period of time for six years. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it's time was, was finished. And, but we celebrated the heck out of it, you know? And so I, I think that sometimes in church, we're a little hesitant to let things see their time. Yeah. A little hesitant to let things end. And I think it's because we think that means it was a failure or we were failures or somehow, you know, we didn't do enough well or right. But the reality is there is a gift in in learning to let go of things too. And sometimes things just reach their natural end and we let go of them and we thank them for all the ways that they have changed us, informed us, shaped us, and then we go forth. And so I really encourage, you know, folks to meet those moments where it feels like, oh, maybe we're reaching the end of something, whether that's an entire thing or, or even just a part of something. Mm -hmm. 
maybe this part of worship just really isn't working for us right now. To be able to meet that and just say, you know, it's okay. It's okay. What did we learn from this? What are we thankful about from having this? Mm-hmm. And and where are we going now? And we're talking at Union now about some some new worshiping communities and what that might look like for us. And there's some really exciting ideas out there, ideas that our community is excited about. And so it gave us the space to explore that as well and hopefully move as our community is moving Mm -hmm. to be able to meet them where they are. That is so incredibly helpful to think about what it means to celebrate and thank a thing and then let it end so that a new thing can come forward. And I think so many of our communities in large and small ways are feeling that around worship, around the life of the church, that there is there is something that will come whenever we let go of something that, it, that has served its time. And that is wonderful. And I just want to also pull out and highlight how amazing it is that in your situation, that was a communal decision. There was a, I mean, that's, Again, one of the gifts of having a worship planning team is it's not just on you. The community, uh, representatives of the community were involved in that decision. And that is, uh, I just, all I hear there is what a, what a gift that keeps on giving <laughs> in mm-hmm. so many ways. Yes. So, and speaking of gifts, what a gift it has been to have you with us, Katie. This has been such a great conversation. And everything I'm hearing is that we're going to have to have you back to hear about the new experiments, <laughs> to hear about your podcast, and see how Union keeps growing. So, thank you so much, Katie, for joining us today. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us today. We hope this has been helpful to you. Remember that you can find more information at our website at UMC cdiscipleship.org. We want you to tell us what you think. So send us an email. And until next time, we will be praying for you and with you and your congregation. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.